Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week we recap the Winter Cup where Kayla DiCello grabbed the gold. We saw the return of Trinity Thomas and Suni Lee attempted the laid out Jaeger in competition for the first time ever. We also discussed the Nasty Lucan Cup, how we felt about the competition venue and just how the meet was run overall. And of course, as always, we talk about all of the highlights from the weekend in NCAA gymnastics including Oklahoma and Cal's record-setting meets, and Michigan State claiming sole possession of the regular season Big Ten title for the first time in program history. We hope you enjoy. So a lot of gymnastics happened over the weekend, both elite and college and level 10. We had it all this weekend. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to start with the Winter Cup. Going into this weekend, I think there was a lot of hype surrounding the fact that three-time Olympic gold medalist Gabby Douglas was supposed to make her comeback at this competition and found out two days before the competition was set to begin that she had COVID and was withdrawing from the meet. She posted a statement on social media. So we're hoping that she feels better soon. I will say the silver lining in all of this is now her comeback meet can be an even bigger deal because she'll be on national television, assuming that she goes to classics. Yes. So I will say that is definitely a silver lining because I feel like this competition was not worthy of Gabby Douglas. (laughs) It wasn't. (laughs) And the only reason why I say that is because in the past, this whole competition weekend normally feels like a much bigger deal because it's in you know, a big arena, like in the past, it's been in like Madison Square Garden, which is like one of the biggest arenas in the United States. The biggest, most famous arenas around the United States has been home to the Nastia Cup and the Winter Cup. And it's televised. It has been for years. And this year, for whatever reason, I don't really know why. It wasn't on TV and they held it in this convention center that kind of reminded me of like a training hall at the world championships or just like your typical level 10 competition. It didn't feel like the first meet of the Olympic year. Yeah, it didn't have that special feel to it that it normally does. Normally, like you said, it's on TV. You have commentators, which we did have John Roethlisberger and Sam Pezek for the Winter Cup broadcast, but the Nastia Cup didn't have commentators. We didn't have live scores. It was just really difficult to follow on the level 10 side and also the elite side as well. Yeah, I think it's just doing a disservice to the sport and these incredible athletes, especially in a time like right now when there's all this hype. Leading into the Olympic year, we have Suni Lee, Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles doing something that's never been done before and trying to make an Olympic team all be an Olympic champions in the same year. That's never happened before. Well, I think with if Gabby did compete here, what would that have looked like in terms of you know, hype surrounding her comeback because Mm -hmm. I would imagine or I would hope that people who are not typically gymnastics fans would choose a meet like a Gabby Douglas return to get into gymnastics. They would turn on their TV and watch it because people know who Gabby Douglas is just like they know who Simone Biles and Suni Lee are. You know what I mean? And I know Gabby only announced that she was going to Winter Cup a couple weeks beforehand to the public. And I guess to be fair, we don't know exactly when USA Gymnastics knew, but we personally knew a month before back in January, maybe even late December, that Gabby was targeting Winter Cup. So I'm imagining that USA Gymnastics knew as well. So they had time to get this venue 
and the broadcast stuff all in line for it to be at the level of a Gabby Douglas comeback. Because the competition last year was in Louisville, and it was in an arena that still wasn't massive by any means. Like, it was definitely a smaller scale arena compared to what we usually see at, like, Olympic trials or championships. But it did look a lot nicer, in my opinion. And I just don't understand why this year, of all the years, they scaled everything back when the hype and the excitement surrounding the sport is at an all-time high. Yeah. I will say another positive from this was that despite it not being on TV, it was still a very accessible broadcast with it being on YouTube and not behind a paywall. Because in years past, USA Gymnastics streams have been behind paywalls on Flip Now, um, which I've always not been a big fan of because I feel like that doesn't help to grow the sport, which is funny because usually that would be what USA Gymnastics would say is like, They're trying to grow the sport, but they don't do so on a platform that, you know, just anybody could access. You have to pay for it. Um, I I think it's definitely more accessible having it on YouTube, so I do appreciate that. But it still feels like you're not reaching the maximum amount of people. You're not, because you have to be following USA Gymnastics or the off chance that somebody is following, you know, Inside Gymnastics or Gymnastics Now or, you know what I mean? Like. Mm How are people going to know? I think that the Winter Cup is happening and this is the stream and you go, you know, this is where you watch it. Yeah. Like, how would people know that? How will they know? That they're going to know. (laughs) They aren't going to know. I think if you're trying to reach beyond gymnastics fans and people that follow every nook and cranny of the sport, having it be on TV is kind of the way to go. And like we said, they've done it every year. And during the, the Olympic past. year, you really get people who get into gymnastics. Like this is the year, and every year of the Olympic year is the time for people to become gymnastics fans. Yeah, I will stand on that. So, so I just don't know why NBC didn't pick up this meet. It was kind of weird to be honest, but the competition was still great, even if Gabby Douglas didn't end up competing and Jordan Child didn't end up competing. Suni Lee did, and we'll get to that in a minute. Let's do the all-around podium first. Yeah, so Kayla Jacello won the all-around with a 56.85, picking things up right where she left off last year at the Pan American Games with a win. First meet of 2024 gets the win as well, and what a statement for her to make to kick off this Olympic year. Yeah, she was the only athlete to go above 14 on every event. She also had no falls, so I think that Kayla Jacello really made a case for her spot on this Olympic team, or at the very least as an alternate, because of the consistency that she's showing as an all-arounder. And she's made it very clear to the media that she's targeting a spot on that team. She's already been an alternate. She's been there. She's done that. She wants a spot on that team. And she's never been the athlete that has really stood out in particular on one certain event. She doesn't have any event that's just going to like blow you away, get you into an Olympic final, winning a medal. Right. I was just about to say that. She's not going to be the person that you put on your team to get an individual medal necessarily, but she is the person you could put on your team and trust that she's going to hit no matter what event you put her up on. She's going to get you a solid usable score in a team final on every single event. And considering what happened with Simone at the last Olympics and all of the chaos that ensued when she had to pull out at the last minute, you know, the U.S. was in a position where they needed to last minute throw somebody into an event that they weren't supposed to be doing originally. And luckily they had Jordan Childs, who is steady Eddie, <laughs> a mental beast <laughs> and can handle pressure in any situation, including the Olympics. And Kayla, I feel like, is that kind of athlete as well. I feel like no matter what situation she's in or what she's being asked to do, you can trust that she's going to hit. She is often 
even just thinking back to her time as a junior and the 2021 Olympic cycle, she's always been very consistent and steady. And it's nice to see that she still has that aspect in her gymnastics. And she's adding difficulty. I mean, I really feel like her gymnastics is just continuing to elevate. And this is exactly the kind of start that she needed going into this Olympic year. Yeah, I don't think Kayla could have asked for anything more, honestly, at this competition. Like you mentioned, no falls, only person to go above 14 in every event. I think that's a huge statement. Hopefully, she's just going to build from here. Sky Blakely took second in the all-around, and it wasn't her best day, if we're being honest. She had a fall on bars. Um, she had a mistake on floor. She kind of, like, botched her wolf turns. But there were some highlights in there as well. Her beam routine was phenomenal. Honestly, one of the best beam routines I think she's done in her elite career. Yeah, she scored a 14-5 tied with Hesley Rivera. I said that weird. Hesley Rivera for the gold on that event. And I really think that we got to remember that the Olympic team is not going to be named after one event in February. Like, this is the first major elite meet of the season. And Winter Cup is always that meet that everyone kind of uses to try new things and get the jitters out. I remember last Olympic cycle, SUNY was like a hot mess at this meet and obviously went on to become Olympic all-around champion. So I don't think that Sky's mistakes necessarily hurt her chance at this meet. I do think she does need to start hitting very soon um, with classics, nationals, Olympic trials coming up. I mean, she has very few opportunities when you really think about it to add in some of the upgrades that she's wanting to add, like the Chung on vault. We still haven't seen that. We did see the double front, though, on floor, and she nailed that. Yeah, that was great. But, you know, she's like I said, she's going to want to add some difficulty in and also really still prove to that selection committee that she is, especially on bars and beam, capable of going up there and being trusted to hit under pressure when the lights are on. I think Sky is a little up and down in that regard. So, and in a field that has everybody in it, she's definitely going to need to be hitting with all of the difficulty. And there's still time. So this is a good first step. But definitely, I think going forward, we're going to need to see a little bit more from Sky Blakely. And she's one of those athletes that even with mistakes still manages to score very well, which is always very impressive. But yeah, I think for the selection committee to really trust that she's going to be able to go up in an Olympic or world final or, you know, team final on bars and beam, she's got to prove that she's able to hit. So that's a storyline that I am eager to follow as we move closer to the Olympics. And then in third place, we had Hesley Rivera, who, like we already mentioned, tied for first on beam with Sky Blakely as well. This was her first senior competition, and I think she did okay. It definitely wasn't her best meet. She had a fall on bars on her dismount. Which I feel like has kind of become a theme for Hesley just a bit. Like, she'll do a solid routine, and then she'll fall on the dismount. And bars is one of her best events, so I think that's something that especially if she's wanting to contend for an alternate spot. She's going to want to show some consistency on that event. But I think for it being her first senior meet, she actually didn't do that bad. Yeah, Hesley along with Jayla Hain, I would say, are the two juniors turned senior in 2024 who I think probably have the best shot at being in the mix for probably an alternate spot for Paris. Jayla Hain also competed at Winter Cup, and this was her debut as well. And she finished ninth all around, so not her best day either. But, you know, like we've already said, early in the season, and for a lot of these athletes, this competition is about getting out there, testing new skills, kind of just seeing where they fall, and then figuring out where they need to improve. Yeah, and Jayla, she got a 51.75 
That was with two falls on bars. I believe she had two falls. And then on vault, she almost fell. So wasn't her best day, but I feel like if she didn't make those mistakes, her score actually would have been closer to where like Hesley Rivera was at. So, you know, I think she would have been contending for a podium spot here if she hadn't uh, made some of those mistakes. So just important to note there. And I think that she has a ton of potential. I loved what I saw from her on floor here. She did an Arabian through to double back. And I think my favorite thing about that was that she doesn't run into it. She just like hurdles and goes. So she like hurdles, round off, Arabian through to double back. I just think that's incredibly difficult to do and not something that we see very often. So for someone as small in stature as she is, to be able to generate that kind of power pretty much from nothing, like from a standstill pretty much, is incredible. And she also did a new series on beam, backhands being too tucked full. She'd been training that for a little bit now, but to my knowledge, I don't think we've actually seen it in competition yet. I know we've seen it in podium training before, but kind of busted that out here. So Yes, it wasn't her best day in terms of her all-around ranking, but like you said, that score with those mistakes actually is kind of impressive. Yeah, I think it speaks to the potential for sure. So someone to keep your eye on if she can continue to you know, build her confidence could see herself in the mix for an alternate position for Paris potentially. Other athletes I wanted to mention, Trinity Thomas, of course. She was somebody that we weren't really sure going in if she was going to do the all-around. She had a some sort of foot injury, right? I don't know if they said exactly what it was. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it was. But she did say that she wasn't able to train as much as she would have liked to going into this competition. And after podium training, she was for sure going to be doing bars and beam, but wasn't actually sure if she was going to be doing all around until the day of. So the fact that she came away with fourth in her first elite meet in a very long time. Yeah, since 2019. Didn't have any falls across all four events is actually really, really impressive. And she's going to be really, really happy with this performance. I still think that there's some areas that she can improve. I feel like her execution isn't what it was when she was in college. Obviously, in college, you're doing, you know, a little bit more of simplified routines. And so it's easier, I think, to really focus on all of the little details. And elite, it's a little bit more challenging. So in the landing positions, too, particularly on an event like floor, like she has her Gorgeous double layout, but in college, she was able to take a step back, whereas now she's got to land and stick with two feet. And, you know, that's always a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. We see not many athletes who are actually able to do that consistently. So we'll see how it goes with Trinity. We're we're used to the gorgeous double light in college. Interesting to see how that's going to translate into elite with having to stick it. But I will say Bars, she got second here with a 14.05. I think Bars was definitely the highlight of her day. Um, And like I said, just really impressed overall with the way that she was able to go out there, get through all four events with no real major issues, added in some more difficulty vault. She only did a fall. So that's something that she's still going to be looking to upgrade to that double twisting your probably come nationals. But um, I think as a starting place, this was just about as good as Trinity could have asked for. Mm -hmm. And also I have to give a shout out to Jenny and Owen for going from their home meet against LSU, where they came out on top, getting on a flight super early the next morning, and then being there at the Winter Cup to coach Trinity. Like the very next day. Yeah, they said, I think, that they took like the earliest flight out that morning. And at the Nastia Cup, we saw a lot of coaches in the stands, but they had a whole day 
Well, I guess the Michigan coaches didn't because Michigan competed on Saturday and then I saw Bev in the stands yeah. with Kelly Harden on Sunday. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of coaches that were like very dedicated and getting themselves to Louisville within like less than 24 hour notice <laughs> for the elite competition, but also for the Nastia Cup as well. The big weekend for the college coaches. We also want to shout out Dulcie Kaler for her gorgeous Yurchenko double twist huge so much height distance it was clean in the air and much improved from last season vault is not an event that i think dulcie would consider to be one of her stronger events she's a lot more i don't know if you would say like a a graceful kind of athlete you know beam and bars she really stands out on those events even floor she's great vault i would consider that to be one of her weaker events and the improvements that we saw here at winter cup is like a 180 I would say she posted a 14 one five, which was actually the third highest score on vault that day. And unfortunately they don't award vault medals. If you don't do two vaults. So nobody here at winter cup actually technically medaled, but I just, yeah, I wanted to point that out. The Dulcie's score is the third highest um, out of all the double twisting your that we saw over the weekend. Dulcie has so much potential. I think she's definitely someone that people sleep on a little bit. And it, it's hard with all of the talent in the United States. Like, there's so many incredible gymnasts that we have to focus our attention on. Well, because she doesn't really have the difficulty, I think, to be, as an all-arounder, super competitive. But in terms of execution and consistency, even... I think she's made a lot of strides in that area, and I think that that was even evident here at the Winter Cup. I hope that she sticks around for next squad. I would love that. I think she can make a huge impact, potentially, and then also in college gymnastics, whoever gets her is going to be really, really lucky. I think she said in an interview that Florida was her dream school, so I could see something her. to keep your eye on. I know, I could see it, too. That, or she gives like UCLA to me. Hmm. No, I, I, I'm feeling Florida and nothing else. Florida feels right. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I can see her at UCLA. I don't know what, what makes you say that. Maybe Cal. I don't know. Sometimes it's just the vibe. She also kind of gives Oklahoma with her gymnastics, but I'm going Florida. No, Final I, answer. I think Florida. Florida is what I could see as well. And then if I had to pick a second, it would be UCLA, and that's just purely based off vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. We should also probably mention Suni Lee, reigning Olympic champion, was here. Also did not have her best day. She only did bars and beam. And I think the main goal for her here was to do her full twisting Jaeger in competition and hit it and lock up her spot for the Baku World Cup so she can go get that named after her. And unfortunately had two falls in her bar routine, one of which came on the full twisted Jaeger. And it was so unfortunate because she was doing it so solid in podium training and even in warm-ups before the competition, the videos that we saw looked really really good and consistent so i think it's a shame that she unfortunately came off in competition but i feel like better here than you know later in the year at a meet that's more important or even at a world cup or the olympics if she's trying to get it named after herself there i feel like you'd rather get the mistakes out now rather than later well that was something that she said after the fact she talked to the media and she said that her coach just said that as well like this is the place to make mistakes. You'd so much rather do it here than at a bigger competition when the stakes are higher. Your confidence might be hurt a little bit more at a major competition as opposed to the Winter Cup. Mm-hmm. So, And Suni was very upset. You could tell that she was very frustrated with her performance. Then she went over to Beam and also had a fall there. So it just wasn't her day. But it's early in the season. 
Suni's going to be just fine. All of these athletes that made mistakes are going to be just fine. It's early. This is the time to go out there, throw new skills, try new things. Now the question is, do you think USA Gymnastics is still going to send her to Baku with her performance? I hope so. I would hope that they would be supportive of her goal, wanting to get that skill named, and doing it in a way that is more individually focused, whereas at the Olympics or at maybe another international assignment, it's more team focused, and there could be more pressure on her to have to hit the skill to get it named, but then also, you know, hit it in competition for the team's sake. Yeah. Like, I feel like that could just be more pressure. So this is the only <laughs> World Cup that USA Gymnastics is planning on sending athletes to there is the pacific rim and then there's also the pan-american championships which i guess if she were to be aiming for that team she could get it named after her there but i have no idea like what the goal is for pan ams because sometimes they send their a team sometimes they send their b team i would imagine in an olympic year they're not sending the a team so i think this is the perfect opportunity for her to get that named i agree and i know that that's what she really wants as well like she kind of just wants to like get the it's like simone with the Eartangle double pike yeah like get it out of the way Take the pressure off. Yeah. And granted, if she's able to actually hit it consistently, it might be worth keeping in her routine. I feel like it's too early to say that right now. We haven't seen it enough, but from what we have seen, it looks great. And I don't doubt her ability to be able to do it. So yeah, I think Nerve just got the best of her. So I'm hoping that they'll still send her. I hope so. Like I said, I think USA Gymnastics probably wants to be supportive of that goal and having her do it at Boku. I said that weird. Baku. (laughs) Baku. It just seems like the perfect scenario for her to go for that. So we'll find out soon enough. Honestly, by the time this episode comes out and you guys are listening to it, it's possible that the decision will have already been made. I think I heard USA Gymnastics was going to make the decision by Monday, whether or not SUNY goes to Baku or it's somebody else. I believe they're also going to be making selections for the DTB Mixed Cup in Germany. Right now, the only international assignments that came from Winter Cup that we know of is for Gymnex, which USA Gymnastics is setting a junior team to, no seniors. But it is Lavi Crane, Claire Peace, Addie Falcher, and Tyler Turner, who were the top all-arounders in the junior division at the Winter Cup. So you can be on the lookout for that. There's a team final competition Um, all around event finals, the whole shebang on March 9th and 10th. All right, moving on to the Nastia Cup. Like we mentioned earlier, was kind of difficult to follow without having the commentary and live scores weren't working. Um, But we did get to see a good variety of routines, which was nice. This is always one of our favorite competitions to watch because so many stars come from this competition. It really gives you a good idea of who's going to be the stars of the future. And a lot of these athletes are in the senior division going off to college very soon. And in the junior division, they're either going on to the elite ranks or they're going to be the next class or two, you know, the 2026 or the 2027 class that will be committing soon. So yeah, a lot of, of a lot of them are 26s. So like majority of them here were like Ella K. Parker's one um, and she won the junior division here at the Nastia Cup. I want to say majority of the roster that is not in the senior division is 26s. And there's a couple like random 27s. I think there's like three 28s. Definitely a lot of athletes to keep your eyes on from this competition. But we want to go ahead and give you the senior women's all-around podium. We had Al Mueller out on top in her first level 10 outing in a very long time. I think 2019. 2019 before she was an elite. 2019 I think was the last time that she did level 10 yeah and then she's been an elite for the past several years so she'll be going off to college soon and very happy to see her thriving in the level 10 ranks already she also won 
well, she tied for a share of the vault title here with Jazara Ranger, who's going to Michigan next year. And she also won the bar title. So great day for Al Mueller. And then Avery Neff, who is a Utah commit, got second all around and first on floor with a 9-9. She won this competition last year while there was a tie between her and Kaylin Chio, who wasn't here this year because of injury. This was an opportunity for Avery Neff to become the first ever consecutive Nasty Lucan Cup champion. And, and I'm sure she wanted that really badly. Oh, I'm sure she did. But unfortunately, fell a little bit short of that. But she still had a great day. Started out on her weaker events, I would say, with bars and beam. Still had great routines, but just her lower scoring events. So she wasn't near, like, the very top of the rankings. For anyone that wasn't watching, <laughs> but was maybe just checking Twitter X for scores, maybe was confused, like, where is April Naff? Is everything Okay. She didn't have bad routines on bars and beam. It just was a little bit lower scoring than what she can put up on the last two events, floor and vault. And I want to say even her vaults weren't as best as she can do them. So I don't think it was Avery Neff's perfect day. Um, But the fact that she came away with second and then got that 9-9 on floor to win the title there um, just speaks to the level of talent that she has. And she's going to be an absolute force for Utah next season. And then rounding out the podium was another Oklahoma commit, Ella Murphy, who was another athlete that was previously an elite gymnast, but took that step down to level 10 this year and is doing very well. And Oklahoma in general is doing very well. We mentioned last week they had six athletes that were competing in the Nastia Cup, future athletes, I should say. Um, Rounding out the top, well, they were all in the top 10 now that I'm looking at it. So Camila Pavla got fourth, Kelsey Slade was fifth. Lily Peterson was eighth, and Mackenzie Eastup was ninth. We said this last episode, but Oklahoma is not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> also, since I mentioned the other event winners, um, Camila Pavlak also won an event. She won Beam, and her routine was great. Definitely, I didn't know what it scored, obviously, live, because there was no live scores, but when I saw that routine, I was like, that has to be the highest score of the day on that event because she had no wobbles. She stuck her landing. It was like a nearly. And the beam thing. was kind of mean to people all weekend. Like, are we sure that thing was level? From the win- KJ to come level. <laughs> That's what she was doing at Metroplex. Yeah. From Winter Cup to Nastia Cup, there was a lot of mistakes on beam this weekend. So I definitely think if KJ was there, I don't know if she was there or not, but definitely should have brought the level out and checked the beam. Yeah, she would not have let that fly because I think there was way too many mistakes. Like you said, between the Nastia Cup and the Winter Cup, a concerning amount of falls on beam, (laughs) a concerning amount of victims from that event. (laughs) So moving on to the junior division, we have another former elite turned level 10, Ella Kate Parker, won the title. And... I'm so happy for her. She looked so happy after the competition. I'm so used to seeing her, I guess in recent years, upset at elite competitions because she's not performing how she wants to, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But now that she's taken a step back, I think she can do a lot cleaner, more simple routines that really focus on not only her execution, but just having confidence in what she's doing. And I feel like not beating herself up over every little mistake that sometimes you do when you're an elite gymnast, you know? And I think this will be good for her confidence going forward. I mean, I know at one point in time she was a top elite junior elite and, you know, had a lot of success on the international stage. She'd won the Winter Cup, I think, two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Yeah, I want to say back-to-back as a junior. So 
yes, she had a lot of like talent and promise as an elite, but I also think that as she gets closer to, you know, the age where she's going to start recruiting, it seemed that she was struggling a little bit in elite with incorporating some of the more difficult elements that she kind of needs to do in order to be competitive. Right. And I would hate to see her results in elite impact her recruiting. Yeah. So I think that her taking a step down to level 10 is not only going to do well for her results, but I think for her confidence, most importantly. You'll get to see, like how good her gymnastics actually is because level 10 routine composition is a lot closer to what you'll see in college elite you kind of have to remind yourself of some of them that like in terms of college you're looking at their technique their execution um, the foundation of their gymnastics to determine if they're going to be a good elite it doesn't matter how big the skills are anything like that because ultimately a lot of those skills don't really translate into college gymnastics mm-hmm. routines so i feel like by allocate doing level 10 we'll get a better idea of how consistent her gymnastics is and um even just what she'll be capable of bringing to a college team if yeah. that makes sense yeah seeing her on the metal podium with that giant glorious nastia cup trophy i love the trophies it was very pretty. i feel like if i was a gymnast i'd be so jealous if i didn't get one of those oh my gosh yeah just i could just imagine at... myself as a kid being like so pissed and imagine if i didn't get that right and imagine like being able to carry that through the airport and being like yeah i'm a winner <laughs> <laughs> like look what i got yeah it just feels like a big deal like the trophy feels like a big deal well, you know the arena you don't get that in any other competition like you get a medal or like maybe a plaque depending mm-hmm. on the competition but this big really cool looking trophy absolutely i'm here for it so yeah i'm i'm happy for ella Kate. she also won beam with a nine seven seven five her beam routine was great yeah that's what i mean like i just think that like actually now that i'm thinking about it her beam was good enough to win the senior division as well oh because camila got a nine seven five so yeah ella Kate parker would have won beam well i love that like, overall she She's seemed iconic. happy she seemed relaxed and seemed to be back doing some of her best gymnastics and I, I just think it's been a while since we've seen Ella K. Parker thriving and looking happy so I hope we continue to see more of that you know going forward in her level 10 career I agree and then in second we had Ella Fine and then in third I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this last name right so I apologize in advance but in third was Morgan Rill and then in terms of event winners the vaults title in the junior division went to Kiera Cameron the bar title went to Amani White we mentioned Ella Kate Parker on beam and then Emerson Ga won floor and one more thing I want to mention before we move on from the juniors absolutely loved watching Cameron Shepard yes she was she is so tiny but so powerful and also clean her one and a half on vault could rival some of the best one and a halfs in NCAA gymnastics right now. Yes, I saw it in the background on the feed. We were watching, I forget who it was. We were watching somebody else's routine and I saw her in the background and I was like, who is that on vault? And then I think they showed her second vault and I was like, noted. And it was really, (laughs) really good. Also, fun fact, that is the younger sister of NC State legend, Emily Shepard. So that's fun. We're going to get to see another shepherd in college gymnastics someday and honestly i didn't know that at first but watching her gymnastics i can see it yeah like, she they have very similar movement quality yeah <laughs> she moves like a shepherd <laughs> and this was her second nastia cup so definitely someone to keep your eye on in the coming years okay so moving into college gymnastics news from the weekend 
It was a record-breaking weekend for college <laughs> gymnastics. To say the least. So Oklahoma put up their highest score in program history. If you thought they couldn't get better, they do. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> some way, they, they keep getting better. They posted a 198-675, which beats their previous best of a 198-575 from last season. So this was the fourth highest score in NCAA history. And I just want to say it is crazy to me that despite how dominant Oklahoma has been the past several years, the fact that they are still somehow breaking records, I just, my brain can't fathom. <laughs> I know, right? Like, like how, how are good they do you have to be? still breaking records when they have been so dominant already? And so, like, so many tens, so many amazing athletes that have come through the doors of Oklahoma like in the past point, 10 years. At some point, don't you, like, max out? Don't you reach your full potential? You would think. You would think. But no. But somehow, they're going 198-675 and putting up the fourth highest score in NCAA history. So, so we haven't watched this meet yet, so no idea, I guess, if the scoring was accurate or if it was a little bit high. But I feel like Oklahoma typically is pretty on with their scoring not Oklahoma the judges I should say somebody that was in the arena said that or maybe they weren't in the arena but it was somebody that watched um, and they responded to a tweet and said that the scoring was accurate give or take a few routines here and there like for the most part it was accurate so that's actually incredible (laughs) I'm excited to go back and watch that one um Clemson also broke their program record obviously it's their first season so there's a lot of history to be made when a program is in their first year but they went 197 for the first time posted a 197-350 and I believe it was last week when we had this conversation about how NC State was or we think is kind of the favorites for the ACC title and you were saying that Clemson is definitely in the mix as well and I think that they proved that here just the amount of difficulty they have, ten of start values on vol, e tumbling passes on floor, their beam is looking better and better. Bars honestly too looks great. They were having a lot more stuck dismounts this week. I just continue to be impressed by Clemson. Um, and I'm very very excited for the ACC championships and what the outcome of that meet will be. Of course, we also have to mention Cal. They made history this weekend, going one nine eight four. That is a team record for them. MJ Frazier got a 10 on floor. Maya Lazan got a 10 on beam. MJ also got a 9975 on beam. So they had themselves a day against UCLA. And they're also in great shape to win the regular season Pac-12 title. I know they face Utah next weekend. At home. So that'll be fun. I guess I should clarify. At Cal's home. Yeah. So, yeah. It'll be interesting. I think that this is the second best team in the nation right now i'm going to check on qs because i'm like have it, they moved up? it wasn't updated last i looked they, um they've got to move up i would be shocked if they didn't it's not updated oh dang i should look on twitter to see if somebody tweeted it this was cal's first 198 score of the season so because it's their high they are at the moment gonna have to drop the score but they've been pretty steady this season and have a lot of good scores and i will be shocked We'll be shocked because they're third, but they have sole possession of third. They were previously tied with Utah. So they pulled away from Utah in that sense. So maybe can I real quickly just give NQS while yeah. I have it here? Yeah. Oklahoma is on top with a 19827. No surprises there. LSU's in second with a 197845. Cal's in third, not too far behind them with a 19781. 
Utah is fourth with a 197-645. So as things currently stand, those are your number one seeds for regionals. Your number two seeds would be number five, Florida, with a 1976. Kentucky is in sixth with a 197-560. Michigan has jumped four spots in the rankings, mm-hmm. now in seventh with a 197-510. Michigan State is right behind them in eighth with a 197-435. So those would be your second seeds right now as things currently stand. And then third seeds would be ninth, Bama, 197-415. UCLA, 10th, 197-335. Denver, 11th, 197-270. And then Arkansas, 12th, 197-19. Those are some damn good three seeds. I'm terrified of regionals Ooh, personally i'm scared and then beyond that quickly i'll say the fourth seeds just while we're at it so missouri would be 13th with a 197-18 so they're a fourth seed which is kind of surprising to me given the talent they have on their team missouri is not a team that i've watched a whole lot this season admittedly i've caught random routines and i think i've watched a meet or two but they're a team that i've neglected to watch a whole lot this season so i'm a little bit surprised by that i think ranking. they need to get in the high 197 range they've been low 197 to mid 197 and they need to start pushing it a little bit more and start getting those higher 197s but i'm a little bit surprised by that given that they have amari celestine jocelyn moore hannah horan is an amazing freshman they have mari no i agree like they have a really sienna schreiber is there for a fifth year like they have a really good it's team. odd yeah so I'm, I'm like how are they a fourth seed at the moment and like i said i haven't watched them to really like like there's probably they obviously have not been performing the way that they are wanting to but i think i'm just processing for the first time and i'm like wow that's interesting i definitely didn't realize that they were i mean things can change but that they're a fourth seed yeah and then auburn is 14th with a 197-045 ohio state is 15th with a 197-03 minnesota would be 16th um, with a 196-945 interesting (laughs) so yeah if nqs officially goes into effect well today as you're listening monday heading into week nine so I still stand by what I said. Cal is the number one team in the nation. Number two. <laughs> did I say number one? Yeah, you did. You know what? <laughs> Screw it. I They're was the- like, I mean, that's bold, but <laughs> I think the gym crew will agree with you. <laughs> I meant number two, but. I think that if Oklahoma has an off day, Cal could contend for the national title. Mm-hmm. I think if Oklahoma is doing what they've been doing all season, it's going to be tough. But you know what I mean? Like sometimes. It happens. They're just <laughs> on a roll. They are giving Michigan 2021. Callus? Yeah. Yeah. No, I have that vibe for them as and well. And Oklahoma's on a roll too. Don't get me wrong. I but... think, to be clear, no one come for me. I think Oklahoma's going to win. I'm just saying that if there's going to be an upset, I feel like Cal has the upset vibe to them. And they have the consistency. Other teams, sure, they have the potential on the right day to put up that huge mid-198 score. In theory, a lot of these teams could put it all together on the same day and have a 198 massive score. Cal like, seems the most consistent. Like, they, they have been consistently a high 197. And today, well, we're recording this on Sunday, just went over the 198 mark finally. But they've consistently been close to a 198. Nobody else is actually doing that. You have teams like UCLA and LSU and um, Florida hasn't done it yet, but LSU in particular, you know, they're averaging a one nine seven eight four five. Well, I should say with their NQS, it's not an average. It's with NQS a one nine seven eight four five. But honestly, they haven't gone one nine eight on the road yet, which to me is always a sign of like 
a true 198 team, if you can go 198 on the road more than once, like Oklahoma does, that's how you know that like you're actually competing at that level. Oklahoma, or sorry, LSU has three 198 scores, but they've all been at home. And they did get close. We'll talk about Florida here in a second. They did get close to that mark at Florida with the 19795. So really, really close. But I think that consistently getting that score on the road or getting near that score on the road um, is a mark of like a true top team. And that's also not shade towards LSU. I'm not shading them. I actually think they've been looking really, really good. Yeah, they're away scores. I think that Cal should be number two. I think maybe that's maybe I'm kind of like low key saying that. <laughs> I think that Cal is the number two team and LSU is the number three team, but LSU's away scores are a 197, 15, 197, 225, 197, 625, and 1975. So they have gotten better with each away meet. But Which is what you want to see. Two of those away meets have been low 197. So, yes. you know, if they're consistently going high 197 or 198 on the road, I think that's a pretty good indicator. But like you said, they do seem to be getting better. And I do think that they are also building towards something really special. I think when it comes to the SEC championship, they're hosting that, right? Yeah, I think they're hosting. Well, I mean, I guess it's not on their campus, but it's in Louisiana. So that'll be a great place for them. And they're pretty much locked in being a number one seed, which is great. I think that they also could capitalize if Oklahoma has an off day. Um, So just something to keep your eyes on. I think that there's a lot of teams that are like slowly but surely improving. Honestly, Florida as well. We got to give it to them. Went 198-15 for the first time this season over LSU to get the victory at home. Florida has continued their trend of improving their scores every single week. It's been very satisfying to watch on Road to Nationals. <laughs> no other team is doing it like that. And I think the perfect example of trust the process, hashtag trust the process. I think a lot of people were really quick to write Florida off after a kind of slow start to the season. And the fact that they've improved every single meet is honestly iconic for them. And I feel like they're finally getting closer to reaching their full potential. I don't know if I necessarily have them in contention for winning the national title. I, I more so think Cal and LSU are the ones that are like on the brink of being able to do that at this point in time, but Florida's still in the mix as well. You can never count out Florida. Right. Also, real quickly, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to UCLA. They posted a 197-775. It was their third highest score of the season, which is good. But now the question becomes, kind of like we were just talking about with LSU, can they take that on the road? Right. So far this season, it's not looked like that is the case. But they've also been the past two weeks without MML Abuyo, which I feel like is a really big impact to their team score. She is a consistent, steady, high-scoring athlete on bars and beam. Two events that they've been really shaky on this season. So to yeah. lose her on top of already having some inconsistencies, I feel like was just a double whammy. So I feel like they are going to be very, very happy to have her back in the lineups next week, I believe. She's only gone for two weeks. Yeah. Emily Morgan for Utah is gone until Pac-12s. Um, but also getting Shea Campbell back on floor. There's there's definitely some people that can step in to help the Bruins get more consistent 9-9 plus scores. But they've been a little bit shakier this season than I guess I expected them to be. Um, I mean, I think when you lose someone like Jordan Childs, it's impossible to fill those shoes immediately. Like... 
we knew Caitlin Rosen was going to be a strong all-arounder as a freshman, but she wasn't going to be Jordan Childs right out the bat. You know what I mean? Because, like, mm-hmm. who, who would be? Um, there's very few athletes that I think would be able to step in and immediately fill those shoes. They also don't have Mars at all the events that she's done in the past. And a Pedro who has been amazing for them on beam, also has done bars. So I feel like they've lost probably more than they've gained in terms of, like, high-scoring potential routines. Well, and the potential is there. Like, Naya Reed, she's been doing pretty good on floor. I think vault, she needs to work on the landing a little bit more. Sometimes gets it, but usually doesn't. Yeah, that could bring in a huge score on an event where they really need it. Yeah, and they don't have a full lineup of 10 of start values, which is fine. I mean, they have Emily Lee, who's been sticking her vault almost every week. Shay Campbell. so good. Yeah, Shay Campbell also sticks it nearly every week. She didn't this time. Caitlin Rosen has really seemed to find her landing. She hasn't stuck it. I think maybe she stuck it once, but she usually has like a small, pretty controlled hop forward. So a lot better than what she was doing at the start of the season. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of improvements from UCLA. And I think that getting MML Buyo back in those lineups on bars and beam is definitely going to help boost their confidence on those events. Also, while we're doing shout outs before we move on to LSU Florida, gotta mention MSU won the regular season title outright in the Big Ten last year. They tied with Michigan for that title. So this year they won it outright. And honestly, there is not a team that is more deserving than that team. They have worked so hard. They've improved so, so much through the years. And I feel like they've been building towards this moment. And I honestly feel like they're not even done. The fact that Big Tens is in East Lansing is terrifying for everybody else because I think that MSU has a really good chance of possibly taking the title this year for, I believe, the first time in history. Yeah, they feel good about what they're doing. I think they have the momentum on their side. They have the right energy. And, you know, they still have off meets. You know, Big Fives this weekend wasn't their best competition. They broke 197, but definitely not fully what the team is capable of. However, because they put up a monstrous 198 score on the road at Michigan, that allowed them to take home this title solely for the first time ever in history. And I just think that's so cool. And nobody more deserving than the Spartans this season. Wanted to real quickly touch on what was the meet of the week, LSU Florida. This was always an anticipated meet. We mentioned Florida came out on top with a 198.15 to LSU's 197.95. And I got to say, I feel like LSU was robbed a little bit here. I think that both teams looked great, but LSU looked a little bit better in my opinion. Starting with the first rotation, Florida on vault got a 49.6 which is a great score, but they did that with not a single stuck vault. <laughs> which is wild. And, like, that should not be possible. <laughs> like, that there, – there is not a world in which you should be going 49-6 with not even one. We're not even saying – Like, ha- half of them stuck. Or, you know what I mean? Like, not a single soul stuck a vault in that lineup, and they went 49-6. So that's how you knew that it was going to be just a wild night. And scoring was going to be through the roof. When I see a 49-6, I assume that, like, damn, there everybody in the lineup stuck their ball. And that's how it should be. But so that's frustrating. And honestly, I think that that is what allowed them to win in the end was that right out the gate, 
49-6 on vault. In the end, I think it came down to that rotation. And LSU definitely had a nervy competition, particularly starting out on bars. They only went 49-225 there. Jay did not look happy after well, bars. And I don't know if he wasn't happy with his team's performance or if he saw the scores for Florida and was not happy. But probably both. <laughs> it was a combination of both because LSU wasn't really sticking their bar dismounts the way that they were hoping. On They haven't been all season. They've been struggling with that. Yeah. And so what I think happened was for the first time this season, it felt like they were getting scored accurately. We've talked about this a lot with Big Ten teams, where if you don't hit all your handstands, stick your dismount, point your toes, have your legs straight, get distance on your release, like all of the things, like all of the things have to go right for you to go 99 plus usually. I find that with teams like LSU, that doesn't always happen. You could have you know, a pack that you catch really close and you could have a step on the dismount and you'll still go 99 or 9925. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they were making those little mistakes, which aren't a big deal, but they were scoring what I would consider to be more accurate for those types of routines. And so I think that they were just probably a little bit like, whoa, what is happening? Um, and then meanwhile, on the other side of the arena, scoring is going just through the roof on vault, which put LSU at a deficit immediately right out the gate but they rallied after that and I really have a lot of respect for the way that LSU competes because they could have let that got them down but they didn't yeah um they went to vault and had what I would consider to be from my memory at least one of their best vault rotations of the season if not the best I don't know if score wise you can confirm that but real quickly before you get too far into this I do want to make it's a small error but a correction LSU put up a 49-275 on bars. Florida put up a 49-225. So both teams were shaky on bars. I mixed up. I was looking at Florida's score and I said it was LSU's. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair to say that both teams did not have their best bar outing that day. Um, But LSU on vault in that second rotation, I feel like we saw more stuck landings or controlled landings. We saw a perfect stick from Amari Drayton. Well, it wasn't perfect. It was a 9975. I would have been okay with a 10 for that, personally. And then Kaya Johnson, with her best vault of the season, um, brought back the Yurchenko double. She was doing the full, um, I think, the past couple of meets. Um, but she stuck it here, and it was one of the best vaults. Actually, I would say the best vault, for sure, that she's done this season. Maybe one of the best that she's done in her career. It was great. Um, and everybody else was pretty solid as well, outside of Aaliyah, I would say. By the way, that was LSU's season high on vault. So they put up a 49-5-2-5 twice this season, and they just slightly went over that with a 49-5-5. And see, that's messed up right out the gate because they had, like I said, two stuck vaults, and then their other vaults were, like, pretty solid as well. Like, Haley did a better vault than she's done the past several weeks. Um, KJ Johnson did out her usual small hot back. Like, their vault rotation was significantly better than LSU's, or sorry, than Florida's, and they scored lower than them. So, like, that's frustrating. Bars, we mentioned, was nervy for both teams. Floor for LSU matched their program best. They were amazing on that event with a 49-775. So like I said, really rallying and not letting the scoring, whether it was going in their favor or not, they were not letting up. And I absolutely love to see teams that know how to compete like that. I think it's a really difficult thing to do and very underrated quality. I think a lot of teams struggle to do that, but LSU has that fight. Also have to give a shout out to LSU. Back-to-back tens on floor. And not easy to do that on the road at one of your biggest rivals to have those judges give your routine a 10, give it what it deserves. Yes. 
Not an easy thing to do, but Aaliyah has just been on fire this season on four, particularly. Yeah, her beam has been a little bit shaky, which maybe is the perfect segue. <laughs> I think we all kind of knew with Florida going to floor, LSU going to beam. We knew it was over. That is not an easy position to be in unless you have like a major lead, which was not the case here. I feel like we've seen this happen a lot with a lot of teams, but also just through the years watching Florida, like, you know, when that team goes to floor, the scores are going to be flying mm-hmm. and LSU has had some nerves and has been a little shaky on this event yeah, throughout the season. Aaliyah has struggled on her series. Her score was also, speaking of overscoring, she got a 9-8 for a routine that should have been like a 9-7. That's even generous. She yeah, had she- a deduction on almost every single thing that she did. Um, so the overscoring wasn't just for Florida. Let me make that clear. I am neutral, honestly, with both of these teams. So this isn't coming from a place of like, you know what I mean? Bias in any way. Like I genuinely, I I have no stake in this game. I just root for good gymnastics. And I think whoever has the best gymnastics should win. So I think there was moments where Florida was overscored. And I also think there was moments where LSU was overscored. Um, but Beam in general was shaky for them. Kaya Johnson had a rough routine. Annie Beard was back in. She had a rough routine. Yeah, she had a fall. Yeah, so Which a lot of people were surprised by that decision. She doesn't have a whole lot of lineup experience. And, and the experience that she has had so far this season hasn't been the greatest. So for them to put her up in such a high-pressure meet was an interesting choice. I'd be curious to hear Jay's explanation or perspective on why he put her up yeah, over Alexis, Alexis Jeffrey. She had been looking pretty solid from my memory. So, yeah, interested to hear what he says in the press conference that he usually does on Mondays. Um and then Florida, their beam was a 49.625. I thought that was just a tad high. Um, and Floor, 49.7. Um, I thought Floor was pretty good for them. I wasn't too, too mad about Floor. They did have Peyton Richards go down with an injury, was carried off. We don't know what her status is yet, but it'd be really unfortunate if that was the way that her career ended because she is a fifth year. Yeah, she landed her double layout. And, like, started to go into the dance, but then it almost reminded me of Trinity Thomas at regionals last season, where yeah. it, like, seemed like everything was fine, but then she just suddenly stopped and it was not fine. Yeah. So that's unfortunate. And then Leanne, we didn't mention Leanne yet, did we? She got a 10 no. following that, which is iconic, and completed her gym slam. Yeah. So she's now the 15th gymnast in NCAA history to get a gym slam. And I think she's, like, the fourth or fifth gator. You're looking at me like I know the answer. Florida definitely has the most gym slams out of any other school in the country. And that does not surprise me. But um, shout out to Leanne. I feel like she's deserving of that. It definitely was one of the better routines that she's done this season. And I have to say the double layout first pass knew that that was the pass for her. Yep. Honestly, Leanne won gym slam sponsored by the double layout. (laughs) Um, but this Florida LSU meet, it would be really interesting to rescore it and see what outcome we get. Actually, we should do that. We've been saying a lot lately that we're going to rescore meets and we don't want to do it. Let's do this one. I'm on spring break. I have free time. Let's do it. We should do it. So Patreons, we'll put this on our Patreon app within the next couple of days. Unless you want to get wild and do it tonight. That's what I'm like. I can tell Ashley's thinking like her wheels are turning. She wants to do it tonight. I mean, we edit this podcast, get this baby up and we can go rescore that meet. We could, uh, yeah. All right, we'll figure this out later. I could could maybe do that. (laughs) Either way, it'll be up. Look for it either by the time this episode is up or the following day. We should be able to get it done by then. (laughs) 
And a reminder, of course, that if you're a Patreon and you don't have the Patreon app on your phone, you should download it because that's how you can access your perks. We post the athletes that we're going to be interviewing there. That's how you can send questions. Or you can reach out to us on like social media. It doesn't matter, but you can comment there typically. Or we post episodes early sometimes. We have a couple interviews coming up that... We will edit and post as soon as we have done over there. When we rescore meets, we post it on Patreon. Um, and then sometimes we just do like random things as well that get thrown in there. So definitely check out our Patreon if you're interested in supporting the show. Yes. Also, we need a question of the week because we have not done that oh. in a minute. Well, let me pull one up live. Pick one that's easy and requires no thinking. <laughs> because <laughs> I... There was time. one in here that I had been wanting to answer. Let me find it. There's one about Abby... I don't know if we'll actually make this the question of the week because this is like super quick and absolutely requires no thought. <laughs> but um, someone did ask what's going on with Abigail Vidas. She dressed, she's from Michigan, by the way. She dressed like a manager, not a gymnast all last season, but is still on the roster. Is she injured and hoping to come back? Um, she was dealing with some injuries. She has retired. She is still on Michigan's roster. <laughs> we don't know why. No one seems to know why. Well, I, I did ask why. And I, I think it just comes down to Bav, like, telling their SID to remove her from the roster. And she just hasn't done that. So she hasn't been instructed to remove her from the roster. But she is very much retired. Yes. Like, she has not done gymnastics in over a year now. She has been dressed all last season, all this season. Every time we go in the gym, she's dressed and she is yeah, she's coaching in, on the side. She's in, like, a... Student, student coach role. Yeah. So it's like not an official retirement technically, but very much a retirement for anybody who watches Michigan or pays attention to them. Okay. Here's a fun one that I've been wanting to answer. This is a personal choice question, but which NCAA team do you think designs the best and worst Leos? For me, I think it would be Cal for the best and the worst use of colors would definitely be Florida. They don't use their orange color, but orange is also hard to make look good. It is. Um, I gotta say, I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but I really think that Clemson's Leos in their inaugural season have been hideous. They've been pretty offensive. Yeah. That's a good answer. Honestly, yeah. I would go with Clemson. My other thought was UCLA. Um, I agree. UCLA, they have some bold Leo choices, but I agree that I dislike more of the Leos than I like the Leos. I did love the one they debuted against Utah. That one was kind of controversial. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. I personally loved it. Oh, the floral one. It was so pretty. I didn't love it or hate it either. People like really disliked it and I didn't dislike it as much as other people did. See, I instantly liked it, which I maybe is surprising because I think maybe I would think that I wouldn't like that. It's it not is... usually my style. I usually like simple, sparkly, you know, more elegant looking, just something kind of like, I don't want to say plain, but it is basic. <laughs> busy. I will say that. But I think if you're going to do a floral leotard, that's how you do it. So I agree. I think UCLA is probably somewhere up there in some of the worst Leos. I also have not liked Michigan's new ones. Michigan has a lot of really pretty Leos so far last season and I didn't like the one they debuted this season either with the yellow sleeves and the, the cutouts on the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, the one they wore against MSU, if you're the one they de- The one they debuted at regionals last year was pretty foul. Yeah. Um, like I said, they have some good ones, but lately I feel like they've been missing the mark. Best Leos? I'm going LSU. 
I love LSU's. LSU has some good ones. I don't like all of them. I mean, I guess it's probably impossible to find a school where you like every single Leo. Um, LSU has some good ones. Michigan State has some really pretty Leos. Yeah, actually, yeah. Michigan State has good ones, too. I actually don't think there's a single MSU Leo that I dislike, actually. Fair, on that note. Fair point. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, I would go with one of those two. LSU and Michigan State. And we'll make that the question of the week for you guys as well if you're listening on spotify you'll see a little question box or an answer box and you can put your responses there and make sure if you have any questions you submit them to our anonymous submission form that is always linked in our show notes down below Um, or if you go to the link tree in our bios on any of our social media pages you'll find the link to our um, anonymous question submission form That does it for this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, we want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters for supporting the show and making it possible. We love you guys so, so much and appreciate your support every month. And speaking of Patreons, I know we kind of like just wrapped up by saying this, but make sure you're checking the app because we are going to rescore the meet with LSU Florida. But also we've got a couple interviews lined up. It's been a while since we've done one of those, but in a couple of hours, we're actually going to be going to interview Michigan senior Jenna Mulligan. And that interview will be coming out next Monday. But if you're a Patreon, we're going to release the episode early. So probably tomorrow, honestly, at some point. Yeah. So keep your eyes out for that. We hope you guys have a lovely week and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.